Hello and welcome to Best Comics Ever. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. And on today's episode, the first of 2019, I'll be updating the Best Comics of All Time list with a whole huge selection of some of my favorite comics of 2018, as well as some comics I caught up on in the month of December 2018. Again, you can find the whole Best Comics of All Time list at comicbookherald.com slash bestcomicsofalltime with a word with a hyphen between each word. Today, I've got, again, a whole bunch of my 2018 favorites. You can go over to Comic Book Herald for my full 2018 faves list. But some of the books that I'll be updating today include Immortal Hulk, Farmhand, Unnatural, The Dreaming, My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, Spider-Geddon, Infinity Wars, The Marvel Event, and a very special entrance by Dazzler the Movie, which may well be, it's a Marvel original graphic novel from the 80s, it may well be my new least favorite comic of all time. But before we get to that, I've got some updates to make to some of the um, higher ranking books on the list, And, and before, before, even I do that, I would like to give a shout out here. Best Comics Ever podcast is brought to you by Patreon support. Anybody who has gone and donated as little as $1 a month to support Comic Book Herald Endeavors, thank you very much for your help throughout all of 2018. I'm looking forward to even more of it in 2019. And you can check out ways to support the site and get exclusives and early access over at patreon.com slash comicbookherald. So without further ado, one book I caught up on uh, in a big way was Cobra. This is written and drawn. It's a, a true indie book. You know, indie gets thrown around with like Image Comics, for example, who are a pretty major publisher these days. Uh, but Cobra was truly started as an indie project by creator Mikel Fife. And it is basically his sort of, um, I mean, I, and I say this not pejoratively, it is his fan fiction, Suicide Squad. Uh, Five is a huge Suicide Squad fan. The the Ostrander, Yale, McDonald days, the 80s run very, very clearly. Uh, but he takes those that idea in that sort of DC universe, and he mashes it with some Marvel Universe ideas. For example, there's a very clear Doctor Strange and Clea analog that plays a major role in the book's early days. And it's a really cool, unique book that has gotten some hype um, really throughout the 2010s. And I have it ranked on the list. The list is currently 453 comics deep. And I have it right now, just the first eight issues at number 117 on the list, which is very, very high. Again, anything inside my top 100, I think is is truly, truly great. Uh, anything from like 100 to 300 is very good. It's really only once you start approaching the maybe 325 to 450 range on the list where I'm pretty meh. I'm pretty, I'm pretty you know, bored or, or out, or maybe it's complicated with the book. But again, 117 for Cobra Volume 1 is very high. Now, reading more of this series, I expected in a lot of ways that it might rise up the list substantially. And right now, what I've got above it, so I've got Cobra at number 117. I've got Grayson, the new 52 run written by Tim Seeley and Tom King with a lot of art by Mikkel Yannon. I've got that at 116. I've got Strike Force Moratori at 115. I've got Bitch Planet by written by Kelly Sue DeConnick with art by Valentin DeLandro, just the first volume at 114. So I've got some good stuff above it, and I don't 
Coper's, I don't think it's going to change much, honestly, having read more of the series. Actually, in a lot of ways, I was kind of disappointed with it. I think Fife's artwork is really fun, and it's really kinetic watching him and reading some of his discussion of, you know, process and his influences. You know, you can see a lot of Jack Kirby influence in some of his design work. I think that, you know, it's this true, raw, again, indie superhero book, and it's a joy to see the design and see the imagination at play. That said, the actual story itself, it it just didn't, it doesn't grab me in a way that makes me want to read issue after issue. Um, I kind of stalled trying to binge through, you know, about 30 to 40 of these over the break. And I think as a result, um, I'm almost more inclined to move it down the list. And again, this is still saying it's good. And that if you haven't heard of it and you're interested in analog superhero universes, you know, where they take inspiration from the big two, DC and Marvel, and do their own thing with it. So Copra is a really cool example of how that can be done well. Um, as it stands, though, I'm looking down the list and... I've read more of Lazarus since I ranked it at number 128. I like Lazarus more than Copra. I would definitely read that again before I read Copra. That would put Copra at just above Black Panther by written by Reginald Hudlin, which is a long and, and quite good run on the Panther over on Marvel. I'm going to put it right there, making it the new... Uh, what looks like it's going to be new number 128 on the list. So a weird sort of downgrade there for Copra um, in in its entirety, but again, a pretty high place on the list. So that's going to take us to the next update that I need to be taking care of here, and that is Black Hammer. So I read Black Hammer Age of Doom, the first six issues of that series that came out in 2018. And I also read Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows, which is a four-issue miniseries that is set in the Black Hammer uh, universe. Now, for those of you unfamiliar, Black Hammer is a superhero universe that is created by writer Jeff Lemire and artist Dean Ormston. And it's published by Dark Horse Comics. And basically, the, the connective tissue... For all of these books so far is uh, Lemire's the writer and and he's you know writing all these minis that are kind of coming out so the series started with 12 issues that were just called Black Hammer and there were some of my favorite comics of 2017 I've got them ranked right now uh, quite high on the best comics of all time list let's see if it's inside the top 50 not quite number 59 on the list where I've got Lemire and Ormston's Black Hammer just ahead of Lock and Key and just below the Omega Men so as the series expands, I'm faced with the question, do I rank the minis coming out of this? Oh, and I've also got the Quantum Age. So post the 12 issues of Black Hammer, the way the series continued was this four-issue mini called Doctor Star and Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows, which exists in the universe of Black Hammer, but discusses a hero that has not yet been discussed. Uh, the Quantum Age, which is set in the far-flung future, of Black Hammer, but does um, pretty clearly cross over with the the characters in the main series, and then Black Hammer: Age of Doom, which is the direct sequel to Black Hammer. Um, I it, Black Hammer came out as twelve issues. Age of Doom number one could just be Black Hammer number thirteen, and it would it would make just as much sense. So what I'm 
thinking I'm going to do is I'm going to just continue to rank Black Hammer as one entity and the Black Hammer universe until it becomes so big that I have to rank everything separately. It all feels to me it's it's one story, you know, it's from one mind in a way with with various artistic stylings and directions and ideas. Um, but it all plays so well together. And I, I did list Black Hammer, the shared universe together as my second favorite comic of 2018. So I think very, very highly of all of these works, it has not faltered. I'd say if I had to pick a least favorite, it's probably the Quantum Age, um, which is, is a very clear Legion of Superheroes homage and, and the Legion's just never really been my thing. Uh, but again, like it's, it's still clearly very good. So with that in mind and knowing that there's more to it now, the question becomes, does Black Hammer rise up the ranks? Now, the first book that really stands out to me as a comparison point would be Astro City, which I have ranked 50th, my 50th favorite series of all time. This is the series that is written by Kurt Busiak, a lot of art by Brent Anderson. Uh, I have not read the entirety of Astro City, but the reason it stands out as a comparison is it's really, it's sort of the modern godfather of analog superhero universes, of someone creating their own shared superhero universe where there are characters that are pretty clearly uh, inspired or, or in some cases, you know, homages to existing heroes. For example, the Samaritan in Astro City is pretty clearly a su uh, Superman analog. And I think putting Black Hammer above Astro City is, it's a, it's a little sacrilegious in the sense that you don't necessarily get one without the other, right? It's sort of like ranking pavement ahead of the Velvet Underground, you know, in the, in the cool indie rock music scene. And yes, I'm describing my own music taste as cool, which is probably the least cool thing you can do. But uh, I, on a personal level, I'd rather read Black Hammer than Astro City. I don't know that it's objectively better, um, but I just, I have so much fun with this book. And I think a lot of that honestly just stems from the fact that I'm collecting it in single issues. And it just feels like something that is uh, of a piece with my comics fandom and the way that it's growing in a way that Astro City is all sort of retrospective. So in order to put it above Astro City, I would also have to put it above The Black Monday Murders, a series by Jonathan Hickman and Tom Coker that I love, but is only eight issues out um, and and rife with scheduling delays. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Now, the question would be, if I put it above Astro City, then I'm looking at Hip Hop Family Tree, the fanographics series by Ed Piscor, which is unlike anything else on my list, really, in that it's a, it's a biography of the history of rap, and I love it to death. Um, I probably love superheroes more than I love rap, though. So Black Hammer as sort of a love letter to superheroes, I think goes above that. I think it goes above Alias, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. That's going to push it up against Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which I I may need to reread that and just move that thing inside the top 10, because that's one of my favorite reads of the last two years. And sitting here at number 47 uh, almost seems crazy. That book is so good. Um, oh boy. Okay. So I think I'm going to move Black Hammer up just below four kids walk into a bank for the time being, which would be a pretty significant increase and would make it the new number 48 on the best comics of all time list. And obviously with more and more of those issues continuing to come out, 
uh, that could that could even go up further uh, if Black Hammer is able to maintain the level that it's that it's achieved to date. Okay, so only one other update, and again, this is pretty update heavy here. I'm probably only going to get to the top of the top as far as new rankings go on the pod. But again, you can go to the best comics of all time list on the site over on Comic Book Herald to see where I net out. Um, I believe if once I add all these books, I should be getting about 470 total comics on the list, which is a whole bunch. I've said a number of times now that I think when I hit 500, I'm gonna start looking at a cutting point and I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I think really when I get to like 325, I think it was, you know, I start getting into, yeah, I could, I could. And number 325 on the list currently is Valiant's original Unity Saga. And I've been, I've been thinking a little bit more lately about, you know, I'm calling this the best comics of all time list. And initially it was my ranking of my favorite stories, but it's also a ranking of every comic that I'm reading. So I think, you know, if I'm if I'm self-reflecting, honestly, the list is it's not just the best comics. You know, that is a little misleading, I think, even though that is the way it was intended. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends what people are looking for. If you like giant, expansive lists of of a huge variety of comics, you know, it's obviously the list for you. If you really just want a best comics of all time list, you know, certainly that I could limit to like a top 50 that would make more sense. Um, but I, again, I don't think I'm going to limit it that much. I might make a cutoff at like 350 and then just start dropping books um, from the published list. Cause you know, right now I've, I do have some good stuff. Like I've got the Donny Cades Venom and Ryan Stegman book, you know, at 331 right now. And that book's still ongoing, but I mean, that's a recommended read. I would say people should check that out. Uh, same for Green Arrow year one. I've got a 340. So it's, you know, once I start getting to like 350 where I've got, there's nothing there, a black mask book that I was, you know, pretty, pretty bored by. Um, I've got mage, which I'm not really very into. I've got teen Titans, the Jews contract, which people love, but I do not much care for. I've got V for vendetta, which is probably the most well-known acclaimed book that I'm just totally, totally bored by. Um, but anyway, long story short, We'll be looking at a cutoff here. Let's rank some more books before I run out of time. So the first book that I have here that I really read as I was catching up with 2018 books and uh, making sure that I had a quality Best Comics 2008 list was The Immortal Hulk. And this is the Marvel Fresh Start era book that started in May of 2018. It's written by Al Ewing with uh, primarily art by Joe Bennett. And it's the best Hulk comic I've read in at least a decade, I'd say. I mean, it's clearly the best Hulk comic since Greg Pak was on the title, you know, and he, Pak's run starts with Planet Hulk and does some really interesting and fun things, and he really gets the character. And, you know, Pak's had a long and lengthy run with Hulk, and, you know, it's most recently has included the Totally Awesome Hulk, which is his version of Amadeus Cho as, as the Hulk. And I think... I think that's a logical stopping point. You know, you transition from Banner Hulk to to Cho and his version, and and let's let's get out of that because Hulk's been in a rut for a bit, and other writers have certainly not handled 
the title as well. Jason Aaron's taken a crack at it. Mark Wade's taken a crack at it. You know, you've had some of these really talented Marvel writers trying what they can do with Hulk, and nobody's really nobody's really figured it out until Ewing and and Bennett here with Immortal Hulk. Their pitch for this series, you know, has pretty clearly been Hulk is a horror comic. Um, I don't necessarily buy that, but they definitely bring elements of, you know, the Hulk should be scary, and and he's this monstrous, raging id, and he should be more terrifying, and they've done a nice job conveying that. Um, this series has, it has the feeling of both being connected to Marvel continuity and of being almost entirely removed uh, in, in the best way possible. Honestly, it's a lot like uh, Matt Fraction, David Aja, and Annie Wu were able to do with Hawkeye, where you know this book is clearly set in shared Marvel Universe continuity. Ewing, in particular, is so good at weaving in uh, Marvel continuity that, honestly, people might like to ignore. You know, Immortal Hulk references Secret Empire. It references Civil War II, right? It talks about the events and the shared Marvel Universe stuff that uh, this book is coming out of, but it does so in a way that actually ties into the series and doesn't get bogged down into things people didn't like about those events. I mean, Civil War II is one of my least favorite Marvel Comics events in a long, long time. Um, I don't want to say of all time because there's pretty bad ones, but Civil War II is not good. And that's the book, spoiler alert, for Civil War II, 2016. should skip ahead about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it. Uh, that's the book where Hawkeye kills Bruce Banner um, and kills the Hulk. He shoots him with a you know gamma-irradiated arrow that Bruce had given him, basically saying, you know, if I'm about to Hulk out, take me down. And uh, an immortal Hulk kind of comes out of that. And it's basically about, you know, can the Hulk die? Can Bruce Banner die? Yes, but does that mean the Hulk's dead? And it's kind of dealing with this, you know, endless cycle of resurrection and rage and violence. And it's doing so with, uh, if not one and done issues, certainly some uh, one and done concepts that are executed beautifully. So Immortal Hulk's great. I'm loving this book. I'm about 12 issues in and uh, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. So given that it is a, an ongoing series, uh, it's going to go high, but not maybe as high as it will end up. Um, let's look, let's look. I, I'm looking around 150 on the list and I think something like God Country, which is six issues by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw, beloved, it's going to be made into a movie, uh, image comic series. I think that's comparable in that it really gets in and does something well and, and kind of gets out. Uh, Hulk obviously is, is still ongoing, but it does feel like it doesn't get bogged down. That said, I'm more impressed when something's in a shared superhero universe and excels quite the way Immortal Hulk does. So I'm going to give it a nod in that regard. I probably like it more than George Perez's time on Wonder Woman, which I've got at 145. Um, I don't think I like it as much as some Marvel classics like X-Men God Loves Man Kills or Infinity Gauntlet. Do I like it as much as Thanos Quest? Not quite. I'm a huge Thanos Quest fan. So we're going to put it above the fifth Beatle graphic novel about the life of Brian Epstein and below Thanos Quest. Let's grab Immortal Hulk here. And that's going to be, what was it now? 142 on the list. All right. 
Let's take a look at what is next on my best of 2018 list. I've got Farmhand. The first volume, it's written by Rob Gilroy with some inking by Taylor Wells. Uh, Farmhand is, is very, very good. It is one of my favorite image series of 2018. It is, if you like Chew, which I do a lot, it is the artist of Chew, Gilroy. And I've got Chew ranked at number 22 on the list currently. Uh, Farmhand is basically Gilroy stepping out of the, you know, the writer's shadow of John Lehman and doing it all. He's writing and drawing this book, and it works. It's got the same sort of madcap humor. It's got uh, Gilroy's incredible sort of Easter eggy art style. And it's it's so much fun, but so bizarre, and has all the family dynamics and drama of Chu. Um, I'm very excited about what Farmhand's going to be. I think we can pretty safely put the first volume up near number 200 on the list, maybe even higher. I've got some volume ones. I like it more than Deadly Class Volume 1. I'll have more to say about that in February. I'm doing a big Deadly Class reread right now. Um, I like it more than Witches. I'm not so sure about the full Mighty Thor Jane Foster era by Aaron Dowderman. I'm going to put it between Mighty Thor Jane Foster era and Superman, The Last Son of Krypton. And that's going to be the new number 172, I believe on the list and that's just about gonna do it thanks for listening to best comics ever music for the show is written and produced by anthony weiss you can hear more of his music by going to anthonyweis.com again i'm dave busing founder and editor-in-chief of comic book herald check out the site at www.comicbookherald.com to learn more about what is going on and i'll see you next time enjoy the comics (laughs) 